Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hi, Kieran. Hi. (laughs) We're excited to have you here on the Hustle Humbly. This is episode 76, and it has been heavily requested. Today we are talking about taxes. I mean, I think we're going to stay mostly on the tax tax front, but Karen, tell us who you are and um, what you do and kind of how you came to, because you were listening to the show. So like, tell us your backstory. Okay. So um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. This is, um, so I've been a um, practicing accountant CPA for about eight, nine years. Um, I've worked as a in-house accountant as a controller working with um, somebody else's books, a big business. And then I went into the tax field about um, six years ago and I've done compliance work, which basically means I'm filing income tax returns for people. And I would do consulting work and planning. In that life, for the last six years, I've been doing private wealth tax planning, which basically means I was doing working with people that were ultra wealthy um, and planning too for generational wealth. And so from that, I've gotten a lot of just like hints and things and understanding different types of tax structures. Um, I am the wife of a real estate agent. And so for the last however long he's been an agent, I can't even remember now. Um, I've done his books and his tax work and done all of his planning and made the decisions to make changes. Um, Friends of his have contacted me and asked me questions along the way. And so when I started dreaming, frankly, started thinking about my life change. I have two little kids. Um, And so when I started thinking about like, where do I want to go and what do I want to do with my life? I started thinking like, do I want to go off on my own? And that kind of obviously blew up in my face because of COVID and I was home anyway, right? And so we're all kind of forced in a different way. I will tell you for me, husband being an entrepreneur and me was a little nerve wracking, but I got myself through that. And I realized that I really wanted to help um, kind of two areas. Obviously there's a huge online front right now of people, but then this real estate industry, which I saw like so much, like my husband and I talk about it a lot, that you know, if he didn't have me in a lot of ways, just as his bookkeeper and as a tax accountant, like he, there'd be things where he knows there would be gaps. There were things that just would fall through the cracks. And so I'm able to like fill those holes for him and he doesn't even have to think about it. He doesn't have to worry about it. And I, what I want to do for the real estate industry as people are growing and developing is filling that gap. Because I think so many people don't think that they need help or what it would be to take on help. And so when they do, it's kind of a release of that stress. So, so my journey now is kind of going out and and building that type of practice for people so that I can really focus. I think it's important to focus on an area that's a specialty to some degree, 
of, you know, you know an area, you're used to it, you're used to how that process works so that then you don't have, um, you can kind of continue to research that area. Um, you get too general, then it gets too much. So, yeah. so that's where I am. Um, it's been a fun journey. Journey. COVID has turned all of our worlds upside down. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, so that, that's where I'm. And I'm thrilled. I was so excited when you guys asked me to be on because I'm really excited about it. Good. We're happy to have you. And now, did you say where you are located? No, I am in Boca Raton, Florida. Okay. South Florida. So you have a lot of the ultra wealthy there. Yes, I think Boca Raton is considered um, the, like, one of the per capita highest um, in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, we laugh because it's like the joke of like you drive by and you have like a Maserati and a, you know, right next to you. That's just what you drive next to. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So, and then your husband, is he on a, kind of tell us a little, like briefly, like a structure of his real estate business. So that like, is he on a team? Is he at a franchise? Like what, what is his, how many transactions does he do? Like that stuff. Um, so um, he, uh, typical uh, Boca Raton, a lot of his, um, you know, sales and homes are on the higher end um, uh, spectrum. Uh, he's with a brokerage that he hears it's Lang Realty here in, in Boca Raton. Um, which is all in South Florida. Um, he, I'm trying to think about how many transactions he does a year, but I, what, he's showing me 20, like 25, 25, what did he say? About 50. About 50, 25 to 50 sitting next to me in our home office, right? Um, 25 to 50, um, he has a team, a partner that he works with, with some people that are, um, I don't want to say completely underneath him, but we pay, you know, for example, as a 1099 employee type of thing. Um, but, um, you know, frankly, I, one of the things, and, and Katie, we've talked about this, is like, even for my husband, developing a lot of those systems and everything in place, which are so important, you know, I might have the, the books and the that side organized, but even all the other side is something that still needs to get organized. So, yeah. but that's where my husband, he's, he's, um, like I said, the Boca area is just very high end. Um, so you're not having to do as many, um, transactions. Mm -hmm. so. Karen, I can remember when I was a new agent and I really didn't know anything about taxes or what I should be saving for. I always had a job that taxes came out of your check. And I've shared the story before where at the end of my first year, um, I mean, I did okay, but it was just, you know, a normal year. And the CPA said, okay, you owe, you know, $4,200. And I was thinking, oh, okay, well, who pays that? They were like, you do. And I was like, from what? You know, I was single. I was still waiting tables at the time. I was not prepared at that time. That was a very substantial amount of money and I didn't know. And so I went to my broker and cause I had remembered when she hired me that she said, Hey, we have a thing that if you want, it can put aside X amount of each check um, percentage to the side and we cash you out quarterly to go do what you need to do. So I set it up year two, <laughs> year one, I just didn't even know what to do. And as I've evolved, you know, over the 10 years, I know you were kind of talking about how based on what you, you would recommend different things, depending on where you are in the business, kind of like there's different tiers. Can you talk to us about kind of the progression from being new to getting into an established business? Sure. And I, 
And I think that's where it's, you know, the tiers are um, obviously movable, you know, and, and you have to think about it from where you are in your business and how you're progressing. I think the first tier is you're really dealing with, you're starting out. You haven't done a lot of, of closings, let's say. You're working on getting some sales transactions one way or the other. You're building it in the sense that um, you could have possibly been in the business multiple years. So I'm not going to say, hey, you're, oh, two years in, all of a sudden you're, you know, quote unquote tier two or whatever it would be. It's more of a looking at it from the perspective of how much you have um, growth in, I'm not going to say gross prof, gross amount of profit, because you have to also look at it from a net profit bottom line number, because we all know that, you know, your closing figure is coming in, you're getting certain um, expenses back to your brokerage for that and everything like that. So you have to pay attention to what your figure is. And a lot of times I say this to my husband because he has in his head, what is his number that he has with his closing closing rate and where he is and how much he's made and everything, which he's great about it. He eats at his number, but I know the bottom line. I know what it's meaning to all the expenses from your advertising expenses to your office, to your car expenses, whatever it would be to get to then have money in your pocket. And so I think that first tier is, you know, you're really starting out in the sense of, um, this is so different because all around the world, all around the country, you have different levels. And like I said, here in Boca, you can have one closing and that closing is going to produce a $50,000 commission. So, you know, it's just a different world compared to somebody else is going to produce, you know, five or $10,000 commission. So I think that if I break it down into a monetary situation, I think it's important to remember that if your, your um, bottom line is getting over like that $50,000 a year, um, then you should probably start thinking about a jump to a next year, you know, because the tax savings start to matter. And when I say tax savings, I'm talking about things like the structure of like an S corporation, um, which is an IRS election. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit. I don't, we don't need to go into big detail, but the bottom line is, is that from the IRS's standpoint as a tax professional, you know, we're filing taxes, you're either seen as an individual, a sole proprietor, or you're a business entity. That's it. The IRS doesn't see you as, oh, I'm an LLC, or I'm a, you know, a PA, or I'm a, you know, all these different state designations. They say, oh, you're a sole proprietor or a, a, um, a business entity. And so, when you're a sole proprietor, you get taxed on all of the income that you make, um, all of the net net profit. So you make $100,000, grow, you know, net profit, you're taxed at the full amount of income taxes, but then you're also taxed on the self-employment tax side. And that's the big part that I think that people start to um, have a little confusion on. So when you talk about jumping to the next tier, possibly, thinking about an S-Corp and planning for it, you jump there because you're trying to have some tax savings. And those tax savings are the self-employment taxes. That's what you're, you're, you're always gonna have income taxes. And so income taxes really don't matter um, because at the end of the day, that's a function of who you are with your possibly a spouse or, or not, maybe you're a head of household. There's all these different things that come into income tax. But the reason why people for business purposes jump to an S-Corp is because they want to save on the self-employment taxes. That's the big piece of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, I think on the first tier, if I can say anything, the big thing is set up like you're going to succeed. 
if you think about it from the mentality of that and you set up early, you get a separate bank account, you get a separate credit card, plan for it to be appropriate. Because if you think about it, if you keep on running it through your personal items and all your personal credit cards and everything, when it comes to tax time, if you haven't sat down and thought about it, well, now you're, you're scavenging. You're trying to figure out and find places that you have expenses. And then what do you even have as an expense? Is that really an expense or can that be considered an expense? And oftentimes that's where people get hung up in the beginning. And so then there's a lot. Another thing that I see is as real estate agents, you are usually given, you know, a 1099 from your brokerage. They say, here's, here's the amount that you made. Well, are you, when you file your income tax returns, are you giving that to a tax preparer? Are they putting it at gross? Do they understand that maybe does your brokerage take out, but report to you at gross, but then take out your net, you know, commission that they get. So those are all things that you, maybe you don't realize that your cash in your pocket is um, less than obviously what's reported on your 1099 at times. I know that's what my husband says. You know, I, I back into expenses basically. Yeah. Every year. It's the same here, well, I know with mine and my last, you know, I was at a franchise that was taking out, you know, a percentage, just like any other brokerage. And when I got my 1099, that percentage that went to my broker, it still was in my 1099. So I had to make sure to tell my CPA, I also paid X percent back to them. Like I didn't get that money. I never even, like it literally never came to me in a check. It was just on my 1099. But there are lots of agents that don't realize that they're 1099 set. And I only caught it really because I kept a paper check. And so I checked my, my paper check copy against my 1099. I'm like, well, this is way higher than my paper check. And if you don't keep, bless them, not all realtors keep great records. And if you're not looking at it like a business and keeping the records, how would you even know that that was in your 1099? If you're just like, okay, well, that's a lot of money. I never kept track, whatever. And then you pay taxes on all of it on top of that. It's so crazy. But I wanted you to clarify when you said somewhere around tier one is like 50,000. Is that a net or a gross? Like when your 1099 says 50, you should be starting to think onto tier like moving tiers. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's net. That's your net. So, because you got to remember if, and I think this is really important because I honestly, I, I, I think about people that have to pay tax on and not realize the effect of all of this. What you were even saying about the chunk of money that's taken out that you never even see because it's being withheld at your brokerage for the percentage that you owe them for, for their being part of their brokerage that piece, like you said, is still tacked into your 1099 figure. And if you don't tell your tax accountant, or let's say you're doing your tax preparation and you don't realize it, well, that chunk, that was a huge expense you just missed. And that's sometimes a substantial expense. And so I think that that's one thing that definitely is important. And so when I talk about going to the next year, I'm talking about a net gross. I made, you know, gross, I made, you know, a hundred thousand and, and, and close, you know, closing transaction closings and then commissions. And then I, you know, have, let's say 25 to 50,000 in expenses. Now I'm at 50,000. I would think about it from that perspective that maybe that's the time, but I want to, I think that this is the important thing to remember when you think about jumping to the tier of like building an S corp out, um, is it comes with more responsibilities. So we all of a sudden have to file an income tax return for the S corporation. You have um, payroll tax forms that you have to file. 
I, I'm a big believer in that if once you jump to being an S Corp, you really need to start thinking about having a bookkeeper or you have to be sound in that. You have to know what you're doing because it, as a, when you file as a tax preparer, when we file an S corporation, we have to keep what's considered the balance sheet and report it every year on your S corporation business. So those are all things that I think are important to remember. There's also little funky things that, hey, mileage and doing your car isn't exactly the same and doing your health insurance isn't exactly the same because all of a sudden those are fringe benefits to you as an S-Corp owner. So I think from that perspective, you have to think about, am I ready to jump there? And I think it's also, I mean, I always talk to my husband a lot about this, that, you know, Real estate is not, yes, you can build and you build and you regularly build and you continue to have a good base, but it's still a market in the sense that you have to be aware that it could change at any point too. And it's not like you're talking about a CPA firm, for example, usually that you can get, you know, clients and you constantly grow and it's not a big change. You know, something changes in the world and real estate changes could change substantially in some respects. And so remembering that your, um, Building out is important, but don't just jump to be an S corporation because somebody told you to do it. Look at it, pay attention to it. So like I said, I think the way that I think about it is you, and, and a lot of accountants, tax counsel do this, but they won't, you know, we really don't like to be held over the fire and like, Hey, I have to be, you know, what's the figure? Cause it's so hard. Every scenario is so different. But I think that if you think about it from, you're definitely making, you know, that 50 to 75 net in your pocket type of money um, to you. Um, the other thing that you have to remember is, is that um, you, from a payroll perspective, that's such a big important piece of it that you have to kind of manage all of a sudden. And so um, remembering that if you wanna take on that responsibility, I would really wouldn't suggest that, for example, you have yourself doing the S corporation return. It just becomes more complicated, but that doesn't mean not to do it because the tax savings yeah. are there. You mean the part about paying, now that I'm an S-Corp, I need to issue myself a salary from the business account. So I need, you, that's what you're talking about when you're talking yeah. about payroll. Yeah, exactly. So when, when you jump to being an S-Corporation, um, the IRS tells you because um, basic, basically what you're doing, and I'm, I'm going to break this down as easy as possible in, in the <laughs> thought process of it. When you, when you, it's, it's not, it's so high, let, like it makes it can be so complicated. And I don't think it's something that needs to be that complicated, but it somehow gets spun into being so complicated. The bottom line is, is that when you are an individual and you are a sole proprietor, as I was talking about before, and you're a sole owner of your business, you're reporting everything on your form 1040, your personal income tax return. That's all you're reporting. Every penny that you make, after all the expenses, your net piece, it's taxed at self-employment. Self-employment is 15.3%. That's what it is. Um, so $100,000, you're taxed at 15.3%. You pay an additional $15,300 in tax. That's the figure for it. If then all of a sudden you say, okay, I'm going to jump to being an S corporation. They say, okay, that same $100,000, you know, $100, let us say, you net it out. You have to pay yourself a reasonable salary. The reason why this is important is because for an S corporation, when you jump to there, you no longer have to pay self-employment tax on your shareholder distributions. So if you don't pay money on that, that piece on that shareholder distributions, 
well, man, if you took it all that hundred thousand, think about it. If you took that hundred thousand dollars out completely at, you know, never paying yourself a reasonable salary, you just saved $15,300 in roughly in taxes. Like that's a huge wrap, right? When you think about it. So what the government basically stepped in and said is, well, no, we're not going to let that work. You have to pay yourself a reasonable compensation. That reasonable compensation gets a little hairy in the sense that um, there, there is, there wasn't, there didn't used to be a lot of trend to audit for it. They didn't really care about it a whole bunch. Then they cared a whole bunch about it because they started realizing that people were taking a lot of money out in shareholder distributions and not in your reasonable compensation. So then they started auditing people. Um, there's tons of schools of thought on how to deal with this because the IRS will not come in and say, this is the figure you're supposed to do for it. It is truly a question of reasonable compensation. Mm -hmm. So for example, I did the report. My CPA made me take this ridiculously long test to answer all these questions about what do I literally do in my job and how good am I at it? And like when I finished, he was like, no, 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 you're not as good as an accountant at keeping your books. So you got to like, down. I'm like, I'm like, you didn't tell me that. She's like, I know that you think you're good at it, but that's not what, that's not what this report is about. So like you would say, I'm a, you know, whatever I'm filing, I'm doing paperwork for X amount of hours a week. And then I would be like, I'm okay at it. Or like, yeah. I'm really, or like I'm showing houses that goes into this category. So it was really eye opening for me to to go through the report. And then she said, I guess, and you can verify this, it came, it came up with a number that said, this is your salary. And then if the IRS were to audit me, I'd be like, well, I took the report and this yeah. is what it told me it was. Yeah, no. So that's really interesting. And that's been, um, those, it's a company, I'm sure she probably used the same company that I'm aware of, where basically they've established the ability to kind of ask those questions and say, okay, if you are doing this for 10% or 10 hours, let's say, um, then, you know, I'm going to say, I'm, like I said, this good at it, right? And you're not an executive le level at something or you're whatever. And it, it breaks it down into like, oh, you are, you should be paid $75,000 a year. Let's say it's just a number, right? And they basically do that regardless across the board for a whole bunch of different types of industry and planning. And it makes it quote unquote reasonable. The reason why is because a lot of accountants um, do this, eh, well, let's just do a third of how much your amount is that you make a year, you know, oh, no big deal. And that's where it becomes a little, yes, it'll work. But the IRS's perspective is that if you take out shareholder distributions um, and you don't pay yourself a salary or they don't think you paid yourself enough of a reasonable salary, they will recategorize that to be a reasonable compensation. And so that's why, um, it's so important and the IRS loves it when you have contemporaneous records, meaning you took that test and you know what you should have been paid. Um, and so, you know, finding that is important. So let's say you are a business um, that you have that S corp and you're making that reasonable salary amount compensation figure. The savings that I was talking about that 15,000, whatever would be, that's where the savings is breaking down. So, um, you know, as you grow your, your business, um, reasonable comp doesn't have to, I mean, it doesn't have to just grow with, oh, now all of a sudden I made $500,000 and now I have to pay myself a whole bunch of money. It still is just a reasonable compensation. And so what would someone in your area, the other thing I think is really cool that they do in a lot of times with these reports is they do it based off of where you live. So 
like here in Boca, it's going to cost more for a reasonable salary than somewhere else. So, um, so I think that that is really important on a spread of, of the tax savings. And I, and that's why I'm saying like, you don't want to just jump there. I've had plenty of people I know that have been like, Oh, I've been told I should just do it right now. And they're like in their first year. And in my head, I'm going, please don't, it's not time yet. It's not like spend some time, build your business, build your systems, know what you have coming in, pay attention to it. And then all of a sudden when it is time, you're going to do it on a, my mind knows what I'm doing. I've got my numbers. I've thought it through. And I think, and this is important. I really have this like goal of wanting to alleviate people's stress of taxes. Right. I mean, I think as like, as a tax preparer, I don't stress about them. I stress about them in a different way. Right. I stress about preparing other people's and making decisions because I will always have that. But I think about it like I plan ahead. I have my husband and I know I, I can I can back into the penny amount of tax that I owe. And I, when I file my income tax return at the end of the year, or usually September, because I never get around to it until September, October, um, <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I'm off by hundreds of dollars. You know, I, I know exactly. I don't have to pay a whole bunch more in. Or if I did, because I think it's smart to only pay in what you have to pay in a year. Um, what you're required to for, for purposes of penalties, I, I plan it accordingly. I set that money aside. I put in a higher interest yield savings account. So it's my money earning my income for me. So those are, there's just, when I think about like a tax strategy, I think about it from a business planning strategy, like really thinking about like, you don't want, you know, you are only required to pay into the IRS and to the government what you're required to, what you are for tax purposes from there are deductions you're allowed to take. You, you're allowed to, bottom line. And so I think that if you think about it from a, a viewpoint of, you know, your interest of taking control and charge of that and understanding it, then you're just going to feel better when, hey, you know, April comes and you say, you know, someone says to you, this is how much you owe. You go, great. Well, I have it sitting there or, hey, I've already paid it fully in because, like we talked before, that reasonable compensation, a lot of times what I do with my husband is, um, and other people that I've worked with, is you, you know, I all year pay a salary for the business, all year, a small amount. And then at the end of the year, because as we all know in real estate, you, you can't fully project, oh, I know I'm gonna have this much throughout the year. It's kind of based on, you know, obviously the closing um, rate and where you are, the, the environment that you're living in. And so I get to the end of the year. I know my husband, for example, I've got usually a 30 to 60, sometimes the 90 day window. So usually by the end of October, I say to him, those are my final numbers. What else do you have coming in the door that I know that's going to close? Um, that's an inspection period or something. So I know, hey, this is really going to close. Because one thing my husband never tells me is something until it's literally through inspection. <laughs> um, he just won't. Um, I, I always laugh. I like try to pull it out of him and he won't give it to me. Um, so once it's through that, then I'm like, okay, we can have this and I plan it. So then I project, I build out a system that I have that I say, okay, I'm going to sit down and say, this is how much I know I'm going to make. This is how much, for example, I put money into his own um, 401k, you know, in his SEP to plan for retirement. I do all this stuff ahead of time so that then I know right away, this is how much money we're going to need for taxes at the end of the year. Like, this is how much we're going to need. And then I do a bonus payroll check to him in December. And I say, this is how much I'm going to pay a whole bunch to the government for tax purposes. And then I'm, I'm comfortable. And I, and that's where I feel like, um, 
that's where like a professional, for example, whether you have a bookkeeper or a tax accountant that really is helping you work through this instead of just that person that's like the one off, oh, I'm going to do it once a year tax return, really working with you. So, you know, back to a little bit of like the tiers, right? That mid tier, let's say you're making above that, you know, um, net figure of above like 50 to 75,000, let's say, let's say you're jumping up all of a sudden the money, you're starting to think about the S corporation, you're also really starting to think about, um, you know, are you building out a team? Have you so you can build out where you are in your practice um, for it. Um, but then all of a sudden, you're going to start to jump to what I would consider like the more high level high, high level, you're starting to really build a team. Um, and you already have set up the structure maybe for an S corporation. And you want to make sure you're doing other things like have you have you done retirement? You know, so many entrepreneurs do not think about retirement um, and the planning for it. Remember, that's a tax deduction. And so planning for that is important. So that's another thing that you really want to um, uh, pay attention to. The other thing is, is that as when you get to that level, I think you have to look at it more as like more regularly, quarterly or monthly, really paying attention to what you're doing, really seeing where your numbers are and planning for it uh, instead of just, you know, every once in a while going, oh, okay, that's how much money I have in the bank account. You have to really, and I think any entrepreneur, but that's, where you are, you're building a business. And if you treat it like a business, that's, you're going to grow it like a business. And I think that's when you really matters. Hello, friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes. Listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, your clients are actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. I know. Just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah. Nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're going to enjoy them you're going to love them you're going to change your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best <laughs> okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy so now i would like to interrupt and speak to all the free spirits like myself out there <laughs> that might have a lot of anxiety hopefully they haven't turned off this episode I know. yet <laughs> because i I feel like I am when it comes to my business. I'm very efficient, detail oriented, but guess what? I'm not a CPA and I am not a bookkeeper. And my evolution kind of was in the beginning, I just used the guy that did my husband's taxes and we were just filing, you know, I wasn't an S corp or anything. And then he suggested, hey, you're at the point where I think you should be an S-Corp. It'll save you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, he was fine. But after a few years, I started just feeling uncomfortable with some of the calls that were being made. Like, oh, you'll be fine. We'll just say that your salary is you know, 35000 and like this right. really low number. Yeah. And I just... I was just letting them do what they suggested. 
but once you know the business got really established and the income was coming in and we started owning rental properties I told my husband like I think we need to spend a little bit more money and get a CPA that specializes in real estate and they looked at our taxes and said look you need your salary to be you know triple if not quadruple what you're claiming now because you're going to get flagged eventually for it and they explained to me like this is why we're going to change your salary to this and this is how much you should be putting aside but it felt so good to know that it was being done properly because nothing scares me more than the irs you know <laughs> like my biggest fear is that the irs is going to come take everything and i don't know why i have that fear it's just like it feels so out of my control, but I think the, the biggest thing that we've repeated a couple times already is that if you, if you, you're a realtor, hire a bookkeeper, have a legit CPA that is keeping up with these things. I mean, I can remember when I first set up how much was taken out of each check, it was 20%. Well, at the end of that year, I still owed a little bit. So I upped it to 25% and that did good for a few years. And then as the income got better, I upped it to 28%. Right. And they were the ones telling me what to do. They were the ones that knew the law, the tax law, right. the brackets, the rate. Like I don't, I'm, I just want to sell real estate. I don't want to keep up with all that. And to be honest, like I love my bookkeeper. Bookkeepers are not expensive. Yeah. Um, I will say, we pay our CPA a good bit to file our taxes each year. But again, I think it's totally worth it. Um, but just to encourage like our listeners out there that we're using a lot of technical terms, but the good news is you don't really have to do like you're, you're hiring people to do this right. at this point. Don't be yeah. a tax expert. Find a tax, yeah. find a tax expert that you feel comfortable with. Um, and also just like, like you said, kind of understanding the different, are there more tiers? So I know we've talked about becoming an S corp once you hit like 50 uh -huh. and then is it, you stay in S corp the whole time and you just, yeah, have your tax yeah, you're getting, yeah. So then you're just going to have more planning because then, so, so I just want to hit real quick because I think it's important that you said this, you know, if I think about it from my husband and, and I use my husband because I, I kind of treat him in the world of like. He has hired me as his bookkeeper and his tax accountant. And I will tell you 100%. And he said it to me. I asked him earlier. And, you know, he literally, he knows everything. He can sell houses. He knows how to do that. He knows how to, to do the deals, do all that. But on the other end, he doesn't, he doesn't want to have to deal with it. And I think it's so important that people, like I say, you know, know your dharma, like know what you are good at, right? And I know what I'm good at. I'm not going to get on the phone and negotiate a deal. That's just really not my thing. So whereas my husband knows how to do that. And I think that's important for your listeners to remember that hiring someone and remembering that, that the benefit of the hiring the bookkeeper, hiring the tax accountant that understand that is something that's going to provide a savings to you too. And remember that maybe you might not see that savings right immediately in your pocket, but remembering that it is a growth thing that as you have those systems set up to have the bookkeeper and the, you know, the tax preparer that right away, like you said, knows the plan and looks at it and says, eh, you know, we need to do this. or this is another way of dealing with it. It's just a way of, of making you feel more comfortable too. That's going to take the stress off you. Like if you would think about it from yourself, I think I may have lost you guys. You guys okay. I can hear you. Are you can you hear us? Okay. 
Okay, <laughs> no, I can hear you now. Um, if you think about it from the perspective of just like your stress for your life, mm-hmm. you don't want to have the stress of it. So if you take that off of you, it's just going to be better for you in the long run. So that's how I think about it. I think from a tears perspective, there's not really much more. Like once you're an S corp, you're an S corp. That's there's not like oh, I'm a, there's another type of structure. So what you it becomes important under an S corp, like you could have a buyer's agent and things like that under an S corp. Sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And so then you, because then you know, if you think about it from being an S corp, you are most S corps out there are sole proprietor people, people that own their business 100% by themselves. That's, that's a lot of the situations that, that you see, but you can also start building a team, get that person on payroll for you, let's say, or maybe you want to file them as a 1099 from your business. If you paid, for example, an ADP or a paychex or some type of payroll provider for this, they can do all that for you. You just build into that. So those are like the high level. So then you, you know, at that upper tier, you're building in the, the you know, whole structure of people. You're also building in a thing like I talked about retirement a little bit. Um, maybe you all of a sudden have an office where you need to actually be a physical office, not your home office. Um, those are all things that you start really thinking about um, planning for. And I think the next step, then when you think about it, you were talking about it a little bit, it was sort of like that that jump of, oh, it, all of a sudden my tax started growing. Well, now you have to also start thinking about different ways to plan for tax savings and the structures that you have. You talked a little bit about, you know, investment properties you have, you know, maybe pulling those off and putting those in different structures so that you get different benefits off of those. You know, there's a whole different ways of, of them building. And that's, that's where my life that I've been doing for the last six years has been this looking at someone's life and saying, okay, now let's kind of look at how a lot of times there isn't a ton of tax savings, but there's a tax efficiency that becomes important. Remembering that you may not um, need different structures or maybe you do. Um, And so that's why I think that it's important for, for anybody to just, I think always keeping an open mind about your, um, your taxes. And I, I, I really want to say that, Everybody is scared of the IRS. There is across okay. the board. Um, <laughs> everybody is. It's funny. Um, I, I don't. I don't really. I've never met anybody that is really not scared of them. I will tell you. I've spoken to hundreds of them over years, and they're all super nice. The majority of them. I've been through tons of audits with clients. Um, they're super nice. They're so responsive. They're doing their job. I think the bottom line is is that. Um, as long as you're not being too greedy in what you're doing and you're being, um, you know, kind of quote unquote following the law in a lot of ways, then you're doing everything you need to do. And that's, that's important. Okay. I want you send us some resources, which we're going to share. Um, but I think it's funny. Every time I ever talk to realtors or there's a class, all they want to know about are deductions. Just tell me about all the deductions. Yeah. Like what are my allowed deductions? Or like, In fact, one of the questions we had from a listener was, how do you handle random acts of kindness? Like they want to, they get real deep into that early on before they even understand LLC, sole proprietor, like any of this stuff. They're just like, well, tell me about the deductions. I need to know what I can deduct. So you have a nice though <laughs> list that you've given us that it kind of spells some of that stuff out. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I've been, when I think of something um, for my husband's business, I try to put it on the list. Um, I also scoured like just tax and, and different types of resources, try to figure out some things. 
I think some things that are really important we talked about and we hit on already, that brokerage commission that's paid out, um, please, please, please remember that you're, you're paying that in. And if you are not um, deducting that or you don't realize you are one way or another, make sure you include that. Um, you know, all the things like all your promotional expenses that you have, which is a really big one. And I, that's why I was talking about a lot before about making sure that you set up to succeed in the beginning is because if you right away set up a right bank account and a credit card for your business, then you know, okay, I'm going to put this on there. I'm not going to do it as a personal. I'm not going to run it through my personal. And then what ends up happening is, is that you can then, um, at the end of the year, plan accordingly for it instead of feeling like you have to go look for it. And so that's where, because you might not think, oh, that magazine that I get or that, you know, I pay to get the newspaper. Like my husband gets the newspaper from our local newspaper because he advertises in it. And so we pay to get it, but he wants that because he needs to take it to showings, right? He wants to show that he's, he's been in things, right? And so those are all things that are important. Um, obviously your cell phone, please. I mean, you know, most time those are things that people are going to remember to do, but your cell phone expense, maybe your Wi-Fi expense. Of course you can take um, home office easier when you're a sole proprietor than when you're an S corporation. It gets a little different when you're an S corporation, but in general, those are all things that you should think of. Of course, if you have a secondary office you actually go to that you pay for, you can't, but um, those are things to consider. Um, I'm trying to think, I'm looking at the list because I'm thinking about some other ones. So like sometimes we have um, agents that will use waiter to send their clients meals while they're moving in or they'll send their lawn person over to cut the grass as a like closing gift or a thank you. Are things like that allowed? I, you know, from the perspective of how you think about it. And I think that um, the IRS you come back to, it's an ordinary and necessary expense for your industry. So if you think about it from that perspective, you say, is it a ordinary expense that you would have in your business? So from the perspective of your business and real estate, that's why you can't say a deduction is across the board the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because in real estate industry, yes, you know, having something like a lawn care for someone for a, you know, a one-off thing or something to get the house prepared to sell or whatever it would be, those are expenses you can take because that's in preparation to sell the house maybe or, or afterward, whatever it would be. Mm -hmm. um, whereas a person who has an, like an accountant, I'm not going to have a lawn care. So I think that that's the difference. So ordinary and necessary. Was it necessary for your business? Did you, did you have to have it to be able to continue to produce sales and, and business. So um, I think about it from a lot um, for me is like even, um, you know, mailers that we send out that are for, um, you know, even year end stuff that we do with my husband, I take a portion of it and it's a business expense because a huge list of things we do may go, I have some personal family members that get things as well. Maybe I don't take all of it, but I take a portion of it because I can say a portion of it is business expense. And so it gets a little bit um, interesting there of like making sure that you have um, the this understanding of everything that can be a business expense. And I, I this is hard because it isn't, this is this list I have is not exhaustive. It's not, it's, it's an idea. It might not pertain to you at all. I mean, some of these things are old on here that I would have on here that we don't even use. A lot of people don't even use anymore. I guess I think that like if you were to get audited, can you explain why you needed this for your business? Yeah, that's a big one. I think that if you can really say there's a reason, and I think the other important thing to remember that when, when you talk about audit, because we had talked about kind of being fearful of the IRS, 
remember that when they do things like this, it's not like, oh, I'm out to get you. They're looking at certain categories really to start with. And the, how the IRS like looks at that is evaluating, you know, benchmarks of where people are. Um, if you have an exorbitant amount of expenses in one area, they may ask why that area has it um, such a big amount. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, obviously one meals, meals is a big one. Um, just remember, I think if anything, not a solo meal, not by yourself. I think that's someone that sometimes I, you know, even catch my husband on it often. I'm like, can't, can't do that. Um, that's not something it has to be with somebody, a client or um, a professional you're actually working. Um, okay. What about the cars? People are always asking me, should I lease my car? Should I own my car? The mileage, the, like, there's two different ways to do, like, is that different though, depending on how you've structured your business? It is. Um, you know, uh, I think it comes down to, I mean, in, in the real estate industry, it's beneficial to make sure your car is an expense because you're using your car the majority of the time. You have more business usage than personal usage, most likely on the car. Unless, of course, you are not a full-time real estate agent, and that's different. You know, if you're not working, producing um, income full-time. Um, there's the... On an S corporation, it's considered a fringe benefit, so you actually have to um, add it back to the W two of the, the the shareholder. So those are things that are that should be done on a um, leasing, you know, leasing type of thing. If you're leasing it, there's a whole bunch of little rules and things that can be done. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier just to take the mileage. You know, um, I think I wrote it down because I can I remember it's fifty seven and a half cents for twenty twenty and fifty six for twenty twenty one. So sometimes that's more efficient. I will tell you that. Um, it is, it's good to have a true idea of how much you're actually driving the car personal versus business. I don't want to be that accountant. That's going to tell you just kind of have to pick a number. Um, it is, it is important to understand how much you really use. Keep a mileage tracker if possible, understand how much you're using it. Um, if you're going to your brokerage, that isn't an expense, you know, that's not, that's, that's a commuting expense. So paying attention to, you know, depends on where, you know, is your home office. There, there's a ton of little rules. Um, and that's why I hate, like, I, it's so hard because in tax, it's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you one thing, but just remember there are tons of little rules that might preclude that from not working for you. Um, and so paying attention, and that's why, you know, it comes back to like having somebody that can really look at your life and see where you are and pay attention and um, give you better advice and planning for it. So, a car um, lease versus buy. Um, you know, from from our my perspective, I feel as though um, I've never been a person that really leased a car. Um, but I will tell you, for my husband, we lease a car, and the reason why is because as a real estate agent, um, it's part of also. Once again, I live here in Boca Raton, um, so um, it's also making sure that we have a car that's you know functioning obviously and I don't have to worry about it as much. Um, so I think that it's important to remember that from the tax deduction side, of course, there's there can be more upfront deduction when you um, buy a car and you can depreciate more of it. But remember a depreciation function, which is what you're dealing with with the car, is um, is just a tax deferral. It's not a tax savings. So you're just deferring the tax over a period of time. So um, from the perspective of that, it depends on kind of where you are in your life and what you need um, for that. But there is definitely a savings. There's tax savings without a doubt for it. Um, I mean, in a way, there's savings 
for your car. It's just a matter of where you are in your business and if it fits you. That's why it's so important to have yourself and your life evaluated by a professional to see. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where like, it's important for that, you know, planning, you know, I've had other people that have told me, Oh, I'm going to go lease a car. I'm going to do it. And they do it. Well, they're this one person I've worked with was an attorney and she didn't leave her house that much. Well, then when it got to the end of the year, I was like, well, you, you, you don't have it. You don't have any business usage for it. Like I can't, I, you know, what am I supposed to do? You know? Right. And so then it was, she was like, Oh, this wasn't an efficient tax deduction. And I like, did I, and I, I know it's hard, but as business people try not to think about things as a tax deduction. There's the memes going around right now, like, oh, but that's a tax deduction, right? You write it off, right? Yeah, like it's a write-off, like no big deal, like, yeah. And I think that if you think about it from, you know, regardless, it's money out of your pocket. So if you think about it from like a planning perspective, yeah, you want to maybe have that tax deduction, but you got to really like think about it and plan and, and decide whether or not it's beneficial for your business to have. Well, it's kind of like when people who we've talked before about how sometimes even like teams, they are so loud about their income okay. and then it makes other people go, well, maybe I should have a team. Maybe I should have a team. But there are people out there that are more about the perception of being wealthy than actually being wealthy mm -hmm. and the money that they are spending on Zillow leads, expenses, you know, at the end of the day, if you actually do the math, I don't understand how they're actually making money, you know, yeah. and so yeah. it, it kind of is the same thing. You know, I heard someone say one time, Anytime I owe a lot in taxes, instead of being like, oh my gosh, I owe so much, it's like, wow, I had a great year. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I actually, I love that you say that because one of my clients that I worked for um, for years, very close to him, you know, he would, he was somebody in this, like I said, I worked in the ultra wealthy, I'm here in Boca, so don't want to scare anybody, but I, these people would pay in, you know, three, four million dollars a year in taxes, right? Wow. And, um, they, you know, I'd call him and I would say, Hey, I need a quarterly check of this amount, you know, whatever it would be. Um, and there was a couple times I would call and there were big numbers, really big numbers that because he had something that big sale or something that happened in the business. And I'll never forget the time. I mean, I literally have it ingrained in me. He said to me, he goes, well, I guess I, uh, I made the money. So that's good. You know? And I think if you take, think about it from that perspective of, yeah. And that's why I come back to, I said at the very beginning, you only have to pay in tax what you're required to pay into tax. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, yeah, take advantage of deductions, but don't do something just because it's a tax thing, right? You right. want to Keep think about it from a business because what you were saying about like this, the, the structure of a team, right? That's great. That's great. But you still have to pay all those people. So like my husband and I talk about that a lot of like the planning for that, of, of making sure that when decisions are made about hiring somebody or anything, if you think about yourself as what you want to, and, and really, really thinking about it as a business, a true business, not, Hey, I'm a solo premier type of person and I'm, I'm building out my own and you know, it's money in my pocket, no matter what, think about it, building the business. Is it going to make your life easier to have somebody on your hand? But are, you know, depending on how much you pay that person, I think one thing that people do a lot too, which I think is really important there's a huge difference between your gross and your your net profit, like your bottom line, huge difference. And oftentimes we talk so much about like P 
people talk about cash in and your total commissions, however much you get in, but doesn't mean that's actual money in your, your hands. And I think that if you really, that's why when it comes back to, you come back to having a bookkeeper, ha coming back to having, you know, somebody who can kind of do a monthly or quarterly check-in with you. Maybe you aren't there to feel like you need a monthly check-in. Cause I think that's also important for real estate agents. It isn't like, it might not be that you're in a position where you need it monthly, but maybe having it more quarterly works for you. But checking in and seeing, oh, okay, those are really what my numbers look like. This is really where I am. I think it's for me, quote unquote, I, I, I think it's fun because, I mean, I'm a numbers person. Uh, I, I love looking at it and seeing the, the seasonality of my husband's, you know, and the people that I've worked, I talk about my husband so much because I'm ingrained in that life, you know, it also affects me so much. Um, but it, it's the seasonality of it. I mean, we can literally look at it and I can say, yeah, month every year is the same ever. I mean, you know that in your industry, you might just know that from just being an agent and understanding that. Mm -hmm. But when you actually look at your numbers, remember your numbers are going to report to you all of that. It's going to show you, hey, that's when I started spending more money. And your expenses went up in September, let's say, because you had more closings in September. And so, well, your expenses went up. Um, but maybe the closings didn't hit until... October, like the money didn't come in until October. So understanding that fluctuation between them mm -hmm. is what to me totally can geek out on the understanding that and seeing that. And then you can really build out your business, right? You can really say, now I can't have it and somebody come in and have a team for it because it makes sense for me to have somebody come in. Okay. I have a question. How do you recommend that a realtor keeps track of that? Because what I find is that they don't even they don't even know what they did in each month or each quarter or an overview of, is there, do you have any thoughts on how they would keep track or how do you guys do it? Yeah. So for me, I, um, I, well, I use QuickBooks online to, to run the business so I can pull reports from there. Um, and there's tons of reports that you can pull to see where you are on a comparison from year to year, going back to however many years you have in the software. Um, but then on the other end, I think it's important for me, I run some calculations of understand, understanding the year to year, because it's all comparison. When you look at accounting, so historical, when you look at it from a, that side of it. Um, and so you want to pay attention to, um, you know, I'm trying to think of another way. I mean, I use, I mean, you can definitely use Excel and things like that. There's nothing, you know, that's an easy way without having to have the expense. It's just a lot more manual. And it, frankly, if you're really good at Excel and can build it out, that's awesome. Um, but I think that it's more of a mentality shift of saying, I'm going to have, I, my husband and I call it, I call it my state of the union. And I do a state of the union once a month. Like it's the first of the month and we sit down and we have a state of the union and we talk about like where we are both in our personal and in our, his business world. And we say, where are we? What do you have coming? What, what can I look at for expenses? Everything like that. And if you think about it from a mentality shift and you think like, wow, I know and I can plan ahead, then not only are you planning ahead for your business, but you're planning ahead for that, that scary part of taxes, right? You already know okay, this is how much I made for the year and I've doubled where I was this time last year. Okay, I need to prepare for that. I need a plan for that. Or maybe I'm down. Okay, I don't have to pay, put so much in as an estimated tax payment or I don't need to put so much into it for if you're an S corporation for as much for a, um, a reasonable salary, as much withholding. So those are all things that you have to plan for. But if you don't, and that's where when you talk about then having the, the team unit of, maybe a bookkeeper and a, and a, 
you know, a CPA as well, where you can really communicate with that person so that they know where you are as well. Like, this is where I am halfway through the year. I mean, I don't know about you all, but here in Boca, um, COVID and all this year was crazy. Um, and it was a crazy year um, in the real estate market. As soon as it opened back up here in South Florida, um, my husband literally didn't stop for, for months, did not stop for months. And I think that, you know, we looked at it from the perspective of like, we were very fortunate and we have to plan accordingly for that. And you had to plan for the tax jump and, and possibly going to a different bracket, all those things. But, but if he didn't have me, I know for certain that if my husband didn't have me in that, that piece, like he would be behind right now. There's no doubt about it. He would be freaking out about it. And so um, having those professionals and planning, looking at your numbers, paying attention. And I think um, if you think about it from the perspective of where, where you are in your life, and wanting to make sure that you're, if you're not scared of the numbers and you actually want to look at them, it kind of becomes fun in some weird way um, because then you realize like, wow, I made more than I, than I did last year. Like, that's awesome. Or, or okay, okay, I, had, I spent more than I realized, whatever it would be. And it, it becomes kind of more of like, engaging for you instead of saying, let me just close that. I'm not even going to open that envelope because I don't want to know it freaks me out. And I think that it, but it's, it, everybody's different. And like I said, my husband, I know for a fact, and I have plenty of other clients that I work to that have no desire to know any of this stuff. They would rather it literally feed from the bookkeeper straight to the accountant every year and just tell me how much I owe. And there's tons of people that just want to live their life like that. And that is totally normal and totally okay. I think um, it's such a scary thing. And it's also like an accountability thing. You don't want to know if maybe you <laughs> aren't being the most responsible or you're splurging too much. And I even think just in general money and talking about budget, people think it's restrictive. It means I shouldn't be spending. I shouldn't be doing. But if you, like you said, it is a mindset shift to where if you understand your money, you might actually be able to travel more or you might be able to spend more. It's, it's like once you know your numbers, it gives you permission to do more instead of saying, oh, well, I shouldn't be spending this, you know? So it, it is definitely a mindset yeah. shift. And um, I think we have a few more questions from our, well, most of the listeners, we talked about the random acts of kindness that we talked about the leasing. I think most people are just asking about deductions and we're going to share that whole list. Yeah. Do you have any other specific questions? I do. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So I'm an S corp, but I own rental property. I just own those rental property outside of my S Corp. I, it's not involved in my real estate business. I have four. Should they be right now? I just own them as myself. They're not. In I like that you're asking for actual, you're like, hold on Karen. While yeah. I have well, you, I have you. <laughs> Let me just get some tax advice. Um, so I don't know. Should they be in an LLC or. So, um, you should not, you most likely, in most instances, should not put property into an S corporation. So don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I would. Um, so putting it in what's considered like a wrapper, which is an LLC. Um, I say a wrapper. It's like literally from a, a state perspective. Um, the only thing that's going to help you from is a liability perspective. So okay. you know, let's Did say they somebody have their house. own, or would it be okay to have one LLC with all the properties under them? Yeah. So. Um, 
some of that is going to get a little legal because that's not my area. I will tell you that from the perspective of all of them, you can put them all under one. Since you own them still, this comes back to the very beginning conversation where I said, you're either a sole proprietor and you own it individually or you're a business. If you own those, you know, you know, you or you and your husband or whatever own those individually, they're reported on your 1040 as a schedule E page. That's the schedule it's reported on. And so basically that is all the, the, you know, let's say the, the rental income, all the expenses associated will all be dumped there. The only difference would be is, is that if you put a, um, a, a wrapper around all of them, let's say, um, the title is going to change. Uh, if you, yeah, I think I actually looked into it a few years ago. Now that you're saying that you're right, this is more legal versus like tax savings because we were looking at getting them all into an LLC, but because like if they have a mortgage on them, there's a mortgage clause that says you can't donate the property or they can recall the mortgage and say, Oh, you went from Alyssa Jenkins to Alyssa Jenkins, LLC. You donated the property. So we're going to recall the mortgage. Yeah. So when you do a, when you do like the contribution of the property to the LLC, the bottom line is, is that on that you can get the mortgage changed, but you have to get the mortgage changed. And so, you know, there's definitely reasons why you want to do it. And then I would say the next reason why you want to do that is, is that if you're, you're starting to, so then it, so then it, you kind of get to the more top tier planning, right? If you get to the point where you're really making a lot of money, let's say off of your rental property, your, your, your real estate, and you really need to start thinking about some tax strategy. Let's say I'm talking about like for your kids, let's say mm-hmm. planning for them. Then maybe what ends up happening is the, the planning that becomes important for you then becomes, I'm going to put it into a partnership with my husband and I'm going to start gifting away portions to kids. Gotcha. That's, that's where this world becomes like the strategy of tears. Yeah. Like that's where like, you know, and honestly though, but I think it's important to remember that you don't just need to do that at end of life. You know, you right. don't need to just do that. You know, there's so many times that you can do this and plan ahead. Um, you don't want to just jump to it. Oh, I need a huge structure and everything, but there is things that can be done. So from your perspective, I mean, I, I think a lot about, um, you know, my, I have investment properties. I report them individually right now. I don't do anything special with them because you don't get any huge tax savings. Right. Uh, There are tax savings for having investment properties, but um, if you're making too much money, you, you phase out of them um, Mm -hmm. in certain respects. Um, You can get really, you have to be very careful when you're a real estate agent and you have investment property and the whole world of once again, this is some tax jargon, but passive investment and active investment and the planning of that. Um, so you got to be, um, aware and you kind of, you really should have somebody that's aware and understanding they're, they're having a tax professional that understands your industry is important and understanding, um, what can benefit you is also important. So I have one more question. As we move into this new year with a new president, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, no matter who's president, they're always scared about like, how's it going to affect my money? What does this president believe in that? So at what point as a CPA, do you get like the new list of rules of, okay, now that I am president, this is how much the tax brackets are. And this is how much you should be saving versus last year, you know, like at what point 
how do y'all stay in the know and how to know what to tell us to do? Right. So um, we're constantly learning. Tax laws are constantly changing. Um, for example, the law was just passed a couple of days ago. Um, they're now going back and forth in Congress on it. They, you know, um, President Trump did sign it in, um, I guess it was last night or the night before. That changed little things um, to the tax. There's always add-ons for tax purposes on bills, usually. Um, a tax law um, cannot come into effect um, until it is gone through the whole process. It has to be um, through Congress, through both sides. It has to go through the president. Where we stand right now is, is that the what was last passed, which was the Tax Jobs and Act, the TCJA, I think it was called. I might have my acronym screwed up, but um, that Trump, um, President Trump did um, a couple of years ago. That um, put in place a lot of changes to the tax law, different bracket changes and everything like that. Those, those brackets stay in place. They just change slightly for any type of, they, they actually, they stay in place. Um, the things that are going to change are certain ones that are adjusted for inflation. But um, unless there is a new tax bill prepared, those are set for right now. As where we stand right now with, um, you know, you know, Biden, I don't know, it's, I guess he's soon, I forget what the word President-elect? President-elect, thank you, I can't think of the word. Um, he, um, right now, he can't get anything done until obviously um, there's something passed in the House and move forward. So um, they may have projections and plans. I will tell you that Biden had a lot of different changes compared to President Trump, um, but there are some things that might not ever come through. I mean, there are things that were shifted that are really gonna affect kind of the higher tier. Um, individual of um, um, capital gains he was looking at, um, which was going to be a big shift for him. Uh, and it'll, most people don't have that as a big issue, capital gains, um, because even majority, even all of your clients or people that you work with, primary, primary home ownership isn't, nothing's going to be changed with that. Um, so I would say when, when you talk about how things and how we get to know what we do, it's constant. There are constantly things changing, um, but it's keeping up to speed. I can't tell you how much, you know, learning, CPE learnings I have to do to stay up to speed on it. Uh, but the nothing will probably change dramatically right now, right. Come, come this year. Uh, and even still, when you're talking about brackets, those brackets are like even the last change when, when President Trump changed it. The swing that he saw on the individual side was not huge. I mean, he just lowered brackets to some degree, but it wasn't a significant. It was huge on the corporate and the, the business side. Um, and so that's why, I mean, you all probably have seen on your, if, if, if you have the joy of looking at your personal income tax return in great detail, um, there's a deduction that you get, which is called a qualified business income deduction that you get. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I mean, good news for real estate, um, that's not nothing. I mean, you're going to continue to get that right now. So I, I really don't see, foresee huge changes right now. I mean, I could be literally kicking myself down the road. But right now, I don't think there's much that we're going to see huge changes right now. Most of the time, if they do change the law, like let's say in the middle of summer, they change it. Oftentimes, they push it back to the beginning of the year. So they'll they'll make the bill, do it, let's say in June or July of 2021, but they say it's, it takes effect as of 1-1. So we just won't know. At this My brain was like, you know, I need to prepare for January 1st when we have a new president that I need to restructure how I do everything. Yeah. But it yeah. sounds like 2022 will be 
seeing how the year goes and what was passed and what was being discussed and yeah and I think the other important thing is is that like when I really and then that's where like I know my area I know what I love tax does not it changes yes but we are still remember we are still working off the same tax code from 1986. I mean, this, this isn't changing. We are just amending this tax code. So this has been constantly, you know, changed and adjusted. And so, you know, I think um, if you think about it that way, there will always be little things that are going to come up. And, but I think that if you have somebody who's paying attention, um, I have a girlfriend of mine who I did my master's in tax with, who I'm really close with. And she, she doesn't, I mean, she has a master's in tax. I mean, she could do taxes, but she's like, nope, don't want to because it's just not something she wants to do because it, she's like it it takes too much time to stay up to speed it's just reality and so yeah we're our tax people are a special type of people so <laughs> for sure I think the number one thing that we have learned here today friends is that you probably need a bookkeeper and you definitely need a CPA and it's gonna just serve you better to go ahead and pay for those services from a person who is trained and educated and hopefully deals with other realtors or people in your field, whatever it is. And it's a tax write-off. That's right. Pay the professional. Write it off. Write it off. Karen, this was lovely. Yes. Hopefully everyone is not fearful, but more encouraged. And we're going to share the, um, the things you provided for us, which does talk about the tiers and it does have the deductions. So that will be helpful if anyone wants to dive deeper into that. But I think it's good to remember in the beginning, because we have a lot of agents who aren't even agents yet, um, get, your, get your business bank account, get your business credit card, and treat your business like a business. Right. Yeah. 100%. Okay. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Any parting words, Karen, that you want to share with the audience? Trust yourself. You're oh. be okay. <laughs> okay. What about, did you come up with a toast or do you want me to do one? No, go ahead and do it. Okay. Go I'm going to do one. Fine. So this will be a surprise to Karen too. Okay. So our toast today comes from Taylor Link in Raleigh, North Carolina. Alyssa likes to know where they are. So I she's do. in Raleigh. Um, <laughs> she wants to toast Ashley Denny and I got to pull up my, what she said about Ashley. Um, okay. So Taylor and Taylor is, She's great. I love Taylor. Okay. Ashley, what did we say about Ashley? Ashley is one of the reasons why she got into real estate. She is totally taken her under her wing and helped. She actually helped her buy her house before she became an agent. Oh, that's so is toasting Ashley as her realtor, I guess, and the person who got her into real estate. So cheers to Ashley and thank you to Taylor and thank you to Karen. Um, this was lovely. It was much needed. So it was, we appreciate you very, taking the time. Very important information, and we thank you for being a listener and sharing with our listeners. Yes. Thank you, ladies, so much. It's been great. Okay, awesome. Bye, Karen. Talk Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.